This episode is episode number 48. We are going to talk about healthcare, healthcare planning, the legal documents that you need for it, and, and really why a legal document, which is not intuitive, but your healthcare plan really should be in a legal document. People have to follow a legal document. It's legally binding upon your family, upon your physician. Getting that right, the orders to your physician in a way that's legally binding, when you are at your most vulnerable, what is more important than that? We are also going to talk about physician-assisted suicide. I can remember the first exposure I, I had with it. I, I've never had a client, actually, in my entire career avail themselves of it. But when I was running the radio version of this podcast about six years ago, I am in my world um, of crisis elder law planning. I have been known as being an expert in VA non non-service connected pension, and so I helped a lot of veterans understand the, the complicated maze of VA benefits. And I, I was on the air talking about widow's pension, and that that program, by the way. If um, a veteran passes away that's rated with um, disabled with a wartime injury, even if it is like Agent Orange or, or post-traumatic stress, that's um, the rating related to the cause of death, then it's deemed to be um, a war-related. You essentially died of your injuries. And the surviving spouse is entitled to a service-connected pension, widow's pension. And I'm talking about that. And um, the phone rings and man, no one ever called my show. The, the financial advisors, the, the hour before, man, the phones are ringing off the hook. People want to know if they should buy an annuity. But when it comes to death and the legal documents you need to pull that off, like the phones are silent. So the phone rings and this guy um, was a Vietnam vet who was dying of cancer related to Agent Orange. And he goes, man, I've never heard of that. Um, I, I'm 100% rated. And then some, and I've got uh, this cancer condition related to ancient orange, orange. And I'm just so happy because now I know that my spouse can have this wonderful pension for the rest of her life. And uh, I go, wow, that, that's amazing. Thank you for your service. Of course, what's liked about the radio is you had to take breaks all the time for traffic, news, and weather, like every five minutes. And I said, hold, hold on, we're going to take a break. We'll be back. And so anyway, sir, um, thank you for your service. Um, tell me a little bit more. Did I answer your question? He goes, yeah, no, you totally did. Um, I, I, I didn't even know about it. And I'm great because this time next month I'm going to be dead and she's going to have this wonderful pension. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Back up. Hey, uh, can you replay that tape? I go, what do you mean you're going to be dead? He goes, oh, I'm on the um, physician-assisted uh, suicide thing. And I'm like, and he said it so casually, it, it, like, I'm going to be dead next month. Like he's planning and he's happy that he had this information that she was going to be taken care of. Man, I wish all the people that I met in my legal practice who came in for consults had that attitude. It's only when the benefit is imminent, like when your death is imminent, then the people take it seriously. But his attitude was just so shocking to me that even though he was facing 
his the end of his own life he's happy because the woman that he loves is going to be taken care of and that was important which is so ironically refreshing at the time i didn't know if i should cry for joy or sadness or what i mean it, it's made a big impact on me um that was five years ago he, he has since no doubt passed away uh, of all the people that i've talked to that's one guy well not the only guy but one of the guys that i really wish i had, had been able to share, spend some more time with him because that meant a lot to him and so we were, we will talk tangentially about the differences between the process and the procedures for a living will which is the pull the plug document as my clients have called it over the years healthcare power of attorney and then this um, particular statute the Gavorkian statute not all states um, have that statute I'll make a note of it in the show notes so you can look up the list and see if you um, I don't even think I should bother because like I said it's, it's so um, you have to have full capacity as you will learn we'll go through I won't ruin the surprise but we'll go through it in the conversation this episode is really though in a way an indictment of the medical services industry and it's also praise of the medical services industry it's a complicated um, environment it's my view that the United States is going through a healthcare crisis I, I think that we discussed that well enough in the episode for you to agree or disagree um, and one of the things we talk about is I ask the question why do hackers target the medical services industry more than any other like the question is so bizarre and out of the place you may not even know really like is, is there a loss his mind what's he talking about cybercrime as related to healthcare but uh, if you if you google it and or listen to the episode you'll you'll learn that hackers often target uh, any kind of database with medical records in it and there's a reason for it and it's not a happy reason um, the reason may cause you to reevaluate everything that you thought you knew about um, cybercrime um, hackers they in this particular scenario or situation there's an argument to be made that they're the heroes like a Robin Hood sort of guys um, and if you want to comment on that in, in a respectful way that's well reasoned I'd love to hear from you one thing I do not like about podcasting as compared to radio um, occasionally people did call into the radio show on podcasting it's just like there's really no way to um, get feedback to me like are, do you like the content is this helpful is there something that you want me to cover in particular because I will um, so anyway uh, don't forget like the only way that I have for people to make um, a comment and to interact is to go to BoomX Academy which is the website that host the show and our community these episodes are taken from BoomX Academy office hours we have two membership levels uh, BoomX citizen which is free and then the um, higher level which is a $44 a staggering $44 a month you can go to office hours weekly and the content and the intensity of the issues that we talk about and discuss people bring um, their questions and their real-life problems in retirement and I lay out what the, the loss is about it and then we open it up for discussion you will can tell from this episode and the ones that will follow that you know uh, we, we dive deep and I take great pride in that you should maybe consider giving it you know 
a try and, and see if you like it. That's it. That's all I have to say. That's at boomxacademy.com or boomx.biz. Either URL will work. You can click on the link in the show notes. We are going to pick up with office hours when we begin to discuss healthcare powers of attorney in your healthcare plan. On a healthcare power of attorney, that there's the thought process that a person who has a permanent state of unconsciousness in a terminal condition is unable to, of course, um, make any decisions, right? And so if, and only if, there is a healthcare agent appointed through a lawful power of attorney, then you've delegated that decision-making. And everything about the um, human personality is to procrastinate until it's too late, right? And so now you are unconscious and a person can make a decision on your behalf. Now, um, however, the physicians are bound by law and bound by their oath to save lives, right? I mean, like they will, th their mission, they are an autopilot. I mean, they're, they're going to save a life until they can't do that anymore. And so when you withdraw nutrition or hydration, then in a way you're kind of, um, you're, you're speeding up the, the death process in a way. Um, if they were, if they did receive nutrition and hydration, they could live, you know, months or years. And so there's two documents. The um, advanced directive in Washington, the statute calls it directive to physician. The slang is living will, which I hate because it sounds like a last will and testament and a living trust. And it's neither. That causes a lot of confusion. Um, now, that has nothing to do with um, assisted suicide by a physician. And it's assisted suicide. I mean, just think about the title of the statute is the a physician is not killing you. It's not like Kevorkian. Like Kevorkian, I thought, was, you know, injecting you with a needle. A is, that's not what it is. You put the, um, the, the medication that, that will end your life in your mouth. <laughs> so you have to have capacity and you cannot delegate that. You can't, you, like the uh, agent can't do it. Uh, um, healthcare directive it is inapplicable in that particular situation. And one of the things that kind of bothers me is, um, it's just like how little thought is given to the healthcare planning side of a case. Like, like how many, how many minutes have we talked about um, legally effective healthcare? plan, like what we want. What I've noticed is, um, okay, so just yesterday I had a, a conversation with a person who her husband is basically chronically ill. And the question I have is, what is the plan? What is a healthcare plan? And there's not, there's, there's basically none. The doctor goes from meeting to meeting to meeting. So she brings the, her husband to dialysis every single day. And she will do that until there's some event and the event could be a stroke. At that point, then it kicks into ER, it kicks into um, hospital. If he survives the stroke, then where does he go from the hospital? Like, like when you have a stroke and they've like, um, you're now in a, what, what Medicare uses a term, I forgot what it was. Um, 
like you're in a um, status quo, I can't remember the word, but it's status quo state. You're not getting worse and you're not getting better, but you had a stroke. So at that point, you are released from the hospital to a nursing home or a skilled nursing facility. And that's the problem. And so many people are on this um, path towards that kind of problem. And they're relying upon, I'm like, I just go where the doctor tells me. And then I, then I go to a specialist and then I go to dialysis and then I go and they're just going from meeting to meeting to meeting. And they don't have a clear path as to number one, what the care will be. Number two, how expensive it will be. I, I asked her, I said, um, how is this affecting your retirement nest egg? How many times have I talked about nest egg? <laughs> I mean, like, like retirement nest egg, that's the, the reserve fund, the discretionary spending. And how is this big medical problem of your husband affecting that? She goes, I don't know. I haven't gotten a bill. Because <laughs> if, you know, insurance is complex, it's a Medicare, right? And so here I am trying to help Googling Medicare, like does Medicare pay for dialysis? You know what Medicare.gov said? Medicare pays for most dialysis treatments. <laughs> okay, that's helpful. Well, it didn't say all, it said most. So what doesn't it pay for? Um, and that's really, like the law is the flip side of medicine. The care costs money. As attorneys, our job is to figure out what the law says and what how we can find a, a funding source for the the treatment you know so our, you know so we so that can go on for a prolonged state what people do medical services is like just pay cash until you can't until you have no money left mm -hmm. and roll over to medicaid i'm like yeah but if we did that intelligently we could have a higher quality of life for our ill loved one at a you know higher higher level of care, higher comforts for a longer time period. It's in our best interest to defend our family against this weird model of just kind of let, going from meeting to meeting, meeting and not knowing exactly where the train's going to end. You know, I'm not saying I can predict the mortality of a chronically ill person, but um, it just kind of bugs me. We don't forget that Boomex Show Lots of Money podcast is more than just a podcast. It is also a membership site and an online academy. I admit it's been a work in progress, but man, that site's looking great. Um, the second thing is we do more than just talk about the law. Uh, we have a, a group called Family Leaders and we get together once a week. I really love it. I'm like everybody else in that group becoming kind of addicted to it. I'm proud of that because the content's great and the conversation's great. And we talk about things tangential to retirement, but not necessarily in the wheelhouse of the law. That's one way to learn um, conversations with other people and the conversations that we have uh, orbit around asset protection, and state transfer law, but the family leaders who come just keep coming back because they realize it's not just learning the rule. It's not just having the legal documents. Implement, implementation is everything. I got an interesting thing. I, I took, uh, went with my mother-in-law to her heart doctor. And she kind of complained to the heart doctor and said, hey, this medication that you prescribed is, is, uh, cost me 
$39 a month for, you know, and she gets a three month supply and the doctor said, Hey, um, what we're, what we've been doing is having uh, our patients order online through a Canadian uh, medical uh, pharmacy and the medical, the cost of the drug through this uh, pharmacy, online Canadian pharmacy is $42 per three months wow. versus $139 a month. And, and I'm thinking something's not right here. And I know we all talk about high uh, uh, medical drug costs, but that's ridiculous. Well, let's look at it with our framework that like we're, you guys are learning a legal framework, right? Um, so we know that really everything, law is the language of our society. And um, when I think about Obamacare, I'm like, man, what? why is there so much resistance to Obamacare when really it's just Medicare for people under 65? It's not a radical concept. And um, why is there such coordinated vociferous res response to it and th the um, opponents said it has nothing to do with the profit of the medical services industry because the profits aren't that high and i'm like yeah, really <laughs> i mean that's kind of hard to believe anecdotally i don't know because i lived in the united states at the time and all I knew was how much my blood pressure medicine costs, right? Um, I heard from people who were older and going through this that, oh my God, I'm paying 500 bucks a month for, for pills. Now, if you have policy that become like a bill and then lobby and then policy that um, it's like factionalism. A corporations are a faction, a political faction. And back in the day, unions were the faction that was in opposition to corporations. So it was owner and worker trying to get something through. Um, and if you think about um, the Medicare Catastrophic Act during the Reagan administration, so um, Reagan, remember um, grandma eating dog food, those big hoopla about that in the 80s? There was like mm -hmm. a commercial. Well, Reagan, of all people, whom I loved, I saw him speak, by the way, live in Portland, Oregon. And um, he is the first guy, well, he wasn't, let's give him credit. So Reagan was the first guy to try to enact anti-spousal impoverishment. So our, our Spousal Protection Trust, 42 USC, is 100% about anti-spousal impoverishment. One of the things that... Um, Reagan tried to do was have minimum income and resource allowances for a spouse in a Medicaid case, which we have today. Um, and there's all this wonderful stuff. The one thing that Reagan could not pull off is the pharmaceutical industry. Like he couldn't get over that hump. And so that's when the um, part D donut hole originated because even Reagan, who you know, crashed the Soviet Union and did all this stuff, he could not break um, pharmaceuticals. And so there was this problem. And the um, retirees, this is kind of how 
like retirement people can get worked up about in unimportant things because they can't see the big picture. They made such a stink about that that problem that the act was repealed a couple of years later. And like we lost all that, like we stepped back another 10 years. Like one of the reasons income and um, resource allowances are so meager in law today is because seniors shot themselves in the foot bitching about pills, right? I mean, talk about throwing the baby out with the, the bathwater. Um, and so that profit block affected law. Now, I, I can tell you it makes a difference because um, when I showed up for Puerto Rico, you know, I got to get my blood pressure medicine. Three months, <clears throat> I go to the, the checkout stand and she goes, okay, $9. And I'm like, nine dollars no I, this is for this is for three months i mean that would need that would be like one day in the u.s for the same medication and so yeah um if you are in the four corners of the united states you have to pay a premium to pfizer but you oh, can see how, how these things <clears throat> affect each other like you know there's interactions between these different blocks of code which start from what people need actually <laughs> i mean like to me healthcare should be something the richest country in the history of the world should be able to like you know it should be <laughs> i don't know why i oh, mean i don't know bothers me did you know that the um 45 of americans have a median um net worth of ninety five thousand dollars or less did you know that the median um, net worth of people between 65 and 74 is uh, about $266,000? Wow. I know. And and mm -hmm. that's why, well, actually, um, okay, so the, the liberal is going to come out on me. That's why there's a 1% tax on wealth. Like they, they want to fix that. They They want the majority of Americans who can't afford anything, <laughs> you know? Um, and so like, to me, I don't understand why people don't think strategically. Like I look at it as a glide path. What's our definition of plan? plan? Like a plan, according to the army is under the art and science of understanding a situation. What are your family? What is the trust? What like what are your goals? What is your do you have a disabled child? That's important. If you have a lot of debt, that's important. Like all these things are understanding the situation. But what is your desired future? That's what the army says. Um, understand the situation to envision a desired future, and then laying down ways to make that future come about. A plan, three parts. And so most people they don't think about the desired future. And the desired future is you want your surviving spouse to be healthy, to have money until the finish line. And if you do that correctly, there's going to be more money left over, like the highest, the probability of having a lot more money left over compared to somebody who just denies the law is much higher. At that point, then you're looking after your kids. You want them to have as much money in their pocket as possible. Do you know why um, medical is the biggest um, target of hackers? Breach into databases and steal records? Mm -hmm. 
the medical services industry, uh, tangentially the medical insurance industry. I'm saying this because I'm looking up uh, Medicare Parts A and B premiums for 2023. And on the side, they're responding to a data breach at a subcontractor. And so there's a reason why hackers target Medicare and other um, medical places. And the reason is really not sick. It just tells you a lot about society. The reason is um, they can steal the identity of somebody who has insurance oh, no. to get treatment for a sick person who is uninsured. This is the wealthiest nation in the history of the world. When people are dying, they have to steal the identity of an insurance company that's big, fat, and happy. So a poor person doesn't die. <laughs> that's why, you know, like that's um, the thing that doesn't bother opponents to medic Obamacare. Like they don't look at it like that as being a problem, you know? So let me ask, I got a question. If So if I'm impoverished, I have less than $2,000 in, in any investment and I, maybe my social security is a thousand dollars a month and I need a heart transplant and I need or kidney dialysis or I need some very expensive medical procedure to keep to stay alive and I need expensive drugs does Medicaid pay for all that no. yeah so no. there's a dividing line between the two programs um Medicaid there's a two-part test one is you have to have a medical need second you have to have financial need now when it comes to long-term care um, that's after the surgery like chronic care is, I need a heart transplant. That is not within the realm of long-term care. Long-term care is just keeping, you can't, like you need assistance with activities of daily living. Like if you think about assisted living, it's only you need help um, going to the bathroom and walking down to the cafeteria. Now, if you think about the difference between home care and home health, the dividing line is skilled nursing. So Skilled nursing is a license in which a nurse, like injections, like an um, uh, insulin injection, that it has to be by um, a nurse. But there's no chronic care things under the umbrella of um, Medicaid. It's all under Medicare. A is hospital insurance and B is the chronic stuff. So you either have it or you don't, right? Um, you cannot force a provider to take Medicare or Medicaid. So that like heart, it's a $1.2 million um, operation to replace a heart. They, they're not, they're going to take the person that can pay the 1.2, right? I mean. Yeah. So that one that can't just dies, eh? Yeah. That's, that's, wow. I mean, like you mentioned mm -hmm. that you read something or had a relative or something that had that problem. I mean, they're going to, they will die. That's, the reality of it my uh daughter's friend who's 39 yeah yeah but 39 they, i mean yeah she 